Good morning and happy Father's Day to all the fathers here. Thank you so much for spending your Sunday here with us. It is such a blessing to have you. I'm Stacy Batten. Me and my family have been coming here to Glad Tidings for about two and a half years. Um, I serve in the Elder Council, and I also serve in kids' ministry from nursery all the way up to elementary, so you see me kind of all over the place. So thank you for bringing your kids here to learn the Word of God with us. Um, it's one of the most important things we can do as parents. So thank you for, for coming and being here and bringing your kids. So if you'll please rise with me. We're going to be reading out of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Stacy. We take a break today from our series in Philippians, and we are going to talk about the walk of a father, of it being Father's Day. Uh, though this is a Father's Day message, it's not directly aiming at just dads in the room or just even men. This is the principles we're going to talk about today. They apply to every single one of us because as Paul says here in the book of Ephesians, he says, you need to walk worthy of the calling you've received. That applies to every single one of us. If you, if you bear the name of Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian, then it applies to us because you have influence. And so I'm excited. I believe God's got a word for us today to challenge us and, uh, and to really just grow us in our walk with him. While we're in the midst of this, though, our kids right across the hallway, they are studying the book of Ruth or in chapter 4, and they are learning that God provides for me. How many of you have had God just absolutely miraculously provide for you in ways that you can never even imagine? Those are the stories we need to pass down to our children. They need to know of the goodness, the faithfulness of God. There's so many times that he has made a way when there seemed to be no way. So parents in the room, feel free. Take a picture of this screen. You know, one of the things that we say all the time here at Glad Tidings, and we really believe this, is parents are the primary disciples of their children. We will do everything we can as a church to come alongside you and support you, but we get your kids for about an hour and a half on a Sunday. You get them every single day of the year, all throughout the weekend. So what we want to encourage you is, is take time to really think through what can I do to continue to build my home to be a place where spiritual formation happens. This is one of the ways that you can do that. You can just engage them with questions, what they learned about today. If you go to our website, you can download um, four family devotions this week about what they have learned uh, straight from our website. And so you can continue to engage with them throughout the week. And then uh, we've got a lot more family resources also along the way. But let's go to the Father in prayer. Invite him to speak to us this morning. Father, we come before you. Jesus, we thank you for who you are and all that you've done in our lives. God, I pray today that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, you would empower us, that you would challenge us as we continue in this journey of life to understand the influence we have and that, God, we would use it for you. God, I pray 
that there would be a moment today where we would pause long enough to allow our brain to catch up with our heart. <laughs> and to understand what truly is important, what is truly of worth, and that we would live lives that display that. It's in the mighty and most holy name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I want to start this morning by just talking about the walk of a father, the walk of a father. Uh, with my own children, one of the things that I've seen, uh, they've all gone through the phase um, where they, they want to like walk around in my actual shoes. You know what I'm talking about? Like, whether it's Calvin or Ruby, all of them, they, I, I, you hear the noise because I've got like the same type of flooring that you're sitting on right now. And you just hear the clunk, 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 clunk come through the house as they've got like my church shoes on. And they're just clogging through. And typically, they're also wearing one of my shirts. So you've got like down past their knees, these, it looks like a, a, a penguin running with like too big a feet <laughs> down the hallway. And, and what I think is really interesting about this is there's like the desire to, to step into dad's shoes, both physically but metaphorically. There, there's this desire of like, I, I want to be like him. I want to be, and that's terrifying, <laughs> like as a dad. Like, but to understand, and I think we forget this many times, because in parenting, there is so much that comes at you, isn't there? Life comes quick. And it hits hard. And there's schedules and places to be and things to do and meals to eat and convincing your children to actually eat so that they don't die. Like, I, no one told you that as a parent. Like, you know, when, when they hand you your baby in the hospital, they're not like, hey, there's going to be days that, like, your kid just wants to not eat anything and you have to convince them to actually consume food so that they survive. I'm like, that would have been great to know. <laughs> like, where was that in the parent book, you know? <laughs> But the, the truth is, is that our kids, um, they, they desire to walk in our footsteps. You know, many times, some of the things that, you know, when you look at your family, there's certain niches that your family might have. Some of you in this room, your family is a very musical family. You like to listen to kinds of music or play. Some of you, it's board games. Like, you get together, and it's cards are coming out, board games are taking place. Something, some of you, uh, you're watching a movie. Like, there's, there's certain characteristics or niches in your family that have kind of come through uh, the influence of your parents and your lineage. Like, for instance, for me, um, I, I like to play golf. Um, I like to test my Christianity, you know. Um, I like to see how well God's really doing in this whole sanctification process. <laughs> and uh, according to this last week, not so hot. Um, <laughs> no, my point is, one of the reasons I love golf, though, is because my dad loved golf. My dad introduced me to golf. I collect pins because my dad collected pins. Um, one of the, the reasons that, like, I, I do a lot of things is because I watched that and I witnessed that. And, and we need to understand, like, the walk that we live, it's being, it's being watched closely. And, and maybe you're here today and you're like, okay, I'm not even a parent. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. Someone is watching you. And they're watching closely. They're watching not just what you say, but what you do. Not just what you say, but the tone in which you say it. Not just what you say, but the attitude you have in the midst of it. 
Not just what you do, but the reason behind what you did. Every single aspect of your life is being watched. See, the power of influence means, the word influence means the capacity to have an effect on the character, the development, the behavior of someone or something or the effect itself. I want you to think about that. The capacity and the power to affect someone or something. Paul here in Ephesians, he looks at all of us and he says, walk, or you could say lead, your life in a manner worthy of the calling you've received. Walk or lead your life in a manner worthy of the calling you have received. How do we leverage influence? How do we leverage influence? I want us to think about that for a second. The first is we do it through repetition. How many of you have ever had your parents, they say the same thing over and over? And or how many of you as a parent, you found yourself saying something over? Shut the fridge door! <laughs> like, I'm just open it, get my milk, walk away. No, there's a third step. <laughs> right? Or, or maybe it's shut the front door because, you know, we're, uh, how many dads in the room have said, we're not heating the whole world, right? <laughs> Turn the lights off, right? You know, uh, there's repetition that comes with influence. We, we are influenced often by the habits that we have, the things that we see happen again over and over. For instance, right now, even as I'm preaching this in the back of my mind, I have this song, I want to be faithful, I want to be grateful. It's from VBS. Those of you who are here this week, it's going to be stuck in your head for the next eternity. Um, <laughs> but I think repetition is so important because there's things that we need to repeat. If we're going to live a life worthy of the calling of Jesus, there's things that we need to leverage our influence and repeat over and over. And then we need to reward what we see repeated that's good. Because what gets rewarded gets repeated. Your habits will define your life in your future. And so we need to think about the things that our life is displaying. You know, when we're asking, what are we doing to leverage influence? Absolutely, it's repetition. But also, we need to let it be seen, let it be heard, and let it be experienced. It's not enough for me to tell my kids they need to love Jesus. If they don't see dad love Jesus, there's no hope for them. They, I need to let it not just be heard from my lips. They need to, to see it from my heart. They need to, they need to see what grace, you know, think about this, grace, mercy, kindness, forgiveness. <laughs> Where are our kids going to taste that first? In us in how they receive it from us, but also how we live it out and experience it from our Father in heaven. I want my kids to understand what repentance looks like because they've seen it in their dad. If I never ask for forgiveness or say I'm sorry, then they're never going to ask for forgiveness or say they're sorry. They need to see it in me. They need to see the truths of God on display in my life, so that they can mirror it as well. So the question I want us to wrestle with is all from Ephesians chapter 4. And I would encourage you today, when you get home, go through and read 
maybe a few times, the whole chapter of Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to take bits and pieces out of this and look at what does it look like to walk the walk of a father, to walk, uh, the, what does it look like to walk the life of a spiritual father? This extends to all of us today, though, not just to fathers in the room. Though it's a Father's Day message, the principles here, they apply in regards to everyone with influence, and that's everyone in this room. We must examine our walk. Plato said it this way, the unexamined life is not worth living. Most people, life controls them rather than them actually living a purposeful life. And that is a tragedy. We need to be people, we are the people of God, we need to be living on mission with intentionality, making ourselves go, okay, I want to I live this life worthy of the calling I have received. So we must live differently. So I want us to look at a few principles today in regards to that. The first is this. A spiritual father guards influence. A spiritual father, they guard influence. Read this with me. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. If that doesn't describe our current state and culture, we live in a time right now where what is evil is called good and what is good is called evil. Even in some churches. We need to guard as spiritual families and as parents the influence that is taking place in our homes. What are your thoughts? What is your time? What is your life consuming? What do we allow to influence us and to influence our homes? I saw this, um, this study that was just done recently, and um, I want us to just wrestle with this. I'm, I'm, parents in the room, I'm not telling you to take your kid's cell phone away, but I am telling you to think carefully about it. And let me show you with you why. They did a study just recently, and they found this, that in regards to screen time, um, kids, especially in their adolescent developmental stages from like 9 to 11, that spend about one hour or less of screen time a day, there's, there's not too much of a causality that they can find. But as soon as it jumps beyond one to like two to five hours a day in screen time, they have found something really interesting is that suicidal thoughts jump 35%. Anyone want to guess what the national average is? Nine hours. When you jump beyond five, from five to nine or above, it's actually a 71% increase. See, the, the truth is, is that our, our kids, and honestly for us too, come on, let's be real here. And the, we can have our entire attitudes and days be dictated sometimes by what we have allowed to come in, right? Ever heard the saying, gigo, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out? Right? Our mood swings can many times be determined by what we have allowed to get into our life and what has been in there. And so for our, our, our kids that are growing up in the midst of this, one of the things that can happen is our culture is pressuring them from every single direction, like uh, whether it be cyberbullying, whether we need to guard carefully what comes into our home. Seriously. I mean, think this through. You would never open your door if you're in Texas knowing that there is like 
uh, a nest of rattlesnakes just outside your door and leave it open all day long, would you? I'd hope not. That's why I don't live in the South. Those people are crazy. <laughs> they've got snakes, they've got gators, they've got sharks, they've got spiders that like, like, man alive, I'm just telling you, like, keep me above Tennessee, Jesus. Like, uh, like I don't mind going on vacation down there, but it's crazy. What do we allow to influence us? Um, what are you allowing you personally to intentionally shape you? What's shaping your thoughts? Your values? What's shaping your time and your schedule? What gets priority? What doesn't get priority? Because our society is really great, especially when we think about time. Love is spelled what? T-I-M-E. <laughs> I say this all the time when I'm doing premarital counseling. I'll say, I have them on the, it's one of the very first sessions. I have them sit down and they write out family values, values for their relationship. And as soon as they finish that and we discuss it, one of the things I always say to them, I look them in the face and I say, now listen, every single thing that you wrote down there will always feel like the least important thing. Because life will do everything it can to crowd out what's important. That's how the enemy works. If church is important, guess what he's going to do? He's going to try to crowd it out. Family time and relationships important, he's going to try to crowd it out. You need to guard your time and what influences you very, very carefully. What do we allow in our home that has influence? Whether it be movies, music, television shows, YouTube, books, um, screen times, cell phone use, um, what, what we're allowing our kids to watch online and to do. We need to guard those things carefully. As parents in the room, especially as dads, listen to me. You have a responsibility to be on guard to what comes in and comes out of your home. The friends that they hang around. I'm going to be that parent. I'm just telling you right now. When my kid gets a friend that's a punk kid, I'm going to be like, no. You can't hang out with him. You can hate dad all that you want, but I care about your future more than I care about your present. I care about who you're becoming more than the anger and the attitude you have with me in this particular moment. See, what is being influenced? What do they, I, when we think about guarding influence, I want you to think about this too. We also want to guard what they think about themselves. Are we faithfully with our words and our lips putting the word of God into their life? Are we reminding them? I know, listen to me. We've got an incredible, incredible GT60 plus group. We've got an awesome age group in this church of faithful stewards of God's word for many, many years. But here's what I want to just, I want to preach to you guys for just a second. Many of you, you grew up with dads who never told you, I love you. And you're still reeling with some of the pain that has come from that. Many of you, you've become incredibly great speakers of encouragement because of the wounds and pain that you've had. And I want to compel you, keep at it. Don't give up. This next generation, let that be on your lips continually because what we think about ourselves often is based off of what we have heard. And so if we want our kids to know that God loves them and cherishes them, they need to hear it from our lips, dads in the room. What they think about family, what they think about God, 
We need to guard with influence. I'll never forget, uh, this is a, uh, my, my kids still talk about it. There was, um, we went to go see a kid's movie and we walked out of the theater. When, and basically, you know, the, the commercials for the movie looked like it was, it was the movie Smallfoot. And it looked like this just little abominable snowman type movie, like, you know, oh, cool, we'll, we'll just go watch this. Within five minutes in, we see that they are intentionally, in a very strong metaphor, mocking God, mocking the Ten Commandments, doing everything that they can. So I took my kids, and I got up, and I'm like, oh, listen, guys, they didn't fully understand what was happening because they didn't know the implications. But I wanted them to know we're not just going to sit here and watch our God be mocked. So we got up, and we left the theater. And... To this day, my kids remember that because they realize, no, 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 we are a family that's going to stand for what truth is. And that's not something we're just going to like sit through, right? We have to be people who are willing to take a stand and guard the influence. Listen, you are the gatekeeper to your home. What is being allowed in? I th- when I say gatekeeper, I want you to think about it this way. In my home, we've got a baby gate because we've got a baby. Yeah. <laughs> And let me tell you what, those things, they work great. It's hilarious because he looks like someone who's trying to get out of jail. He's holding on the bars and he's just like, <laughs> you know, he's, <laughs> but like two days ago, Angel had broken um, something in the hallway that was just full of glass. I heard it hit and shatter everywhere. Quickly grabbed Bear, put him in the kitchen, shut the baby gate while we were cleaning it because Bear gets everywhere. Like he's in this weird scooting stage. It's like a mix between a crawl and like a, <laughs> it's like he's like, whoa, and he's fast. You know, there's nothing faster on the planet than a toddler on a mission. That's all I'm saying. But because the gate was there, he did not have the chance to go crawling through broken glass. Parents, you are a spiritual gatekeeper in your home. We are called to keep our kids from the danger that often surrounds them. Secondly, if we're going to be a spiritual father or parent like we're called to be, we need to control our emotions. <laughs> yes, your pastor is preaching at himself as well. Controlled emotions. Read with me here in verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. If we can go to the next slide. Um, That isn't what you've learned about Christ since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Oh, what a beautifully rough verse. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Have you noticed the people we have influence over often will mirror our emotions? Paul here says, throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, the way you used to do things. See, we need to understand that we have some pretty strong emotions, but that emotions are terrible leaders. We should never, ever let emotions 
lead us. Emotions should follow the direction we are giving. In fact, it's usually more often than not, whenever we allow emotions to lead, we get ourselves in the greatest danger. Whether it be anger, lust, coveting, frustration, carrying previous wounds, shame, fill in the gap, whatever that emotion is, when it takes the lead and decides, I'm going to dictate your thoughts in this moment right here, nothing good ever comes from it. Notice what Paul says here. He even says two things. He tells them what to do. He says, first of all, don't sin by letting anger control you. And then he says this, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. He says something very powerful to us. He says, first of all, don't let your emotions control you. And if they end up controlling you, make sure you get it fixed before the day's over. That's such an important principle for us to have, not just in our marriages, but with our families, where we need to be quick to repentance. Fast. When we have... I, when I, again, going back to premarital counseling, one of the things I often will tell them is it's a race to who can say I'm sorry first. You want to have a great marriage? Have a race to who says I'm sorry first. And if you do that, there is beauty that comes from that because their wounds can get healed so much faster. Do you know your bend towards sin? Do you know that area that you personally struggle with, that, especially when it comes to your emotions? Do you fly off the handle? Do you get angry? Do you, are you prone to lust? Are you Whatever that is, listen, you need to lay down your former way of life and then be quick to repent and ask for forgiveness. Invite loving correction and accountability into your life and then watch yourself in balt and salt seasons. Balt and salt means Bored, alone, lonely, or tired. And salt is either stressed, sad, alone, lonely, or tired. Let me tell you what. One of your greatest temptations to sin in any aspect in regards to your emotions comes from that. When you're bored, you're sad, you're stressed, you're alone, lonely, and tired, the enemy, that's like prime picking grounds. So know that. And in those moments, control your emotions. Put yourself around godly people. Put yourself into accountability. Put yourself in places because there can be irreparable harm that we do whenever we just fly off the handle and say whatever we think. Because our culture's told us, just, just say what you think. Got a question for you. When has that ever come in handy? And if you're like, you know what, Pastor, I think there's moments it can. Okay, cool. Here's my encouragement for you today. When you get out of here today, hop in your car, do about 90 down the highway. When the cop comes over to pull you over, just tell him whatever you think. <laughs> Let's test it out and see if it works. <laughs> we need to have renewed thoughts and attitudes. Thirdly, we need to have powerful words. Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Verse 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything that you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. We need to speak the truth in love. Not just the truth and not just love, the truth in love. 
There are times where those we have influence over, we must actually hurt with the truth, but we hurt like a surgeon with a scalpel, the most precise tool to carefully, because here's the thing, I'm not going to just look at my kid who's walking straight towards destruction and be like, go for it, it looks like fun. No. I'm going to speak the truth in love. I'm going to say, hey, that thing that you're pursuing right now that you think you really, really want, it's going to destroy you. And it's because of my incredible love for you. I'm not going to allow you to chase after that. While you're here with me and under my influence, I'm going to do everything within my power to steer you in the right direction because of my immense and great love for you. I'm going to speak the truth in love. But I don't do just that either. I use my words to heal and to restore versus hurting and harming. Most of us in this room, uh, like the, the wounds that are the deepest for you, they have come from hurtful words. I've got scars all over my body. That doesn't come as a shock to many of you. I, <laughs> I'm that kind of kid that I was just like, this hill looks like fun. Let's put a ramp at the bottom of it. I bet I can get like 10 feet off the ground. Like that was my entire childhood in a nutshell right there. But can I tell you something? Out of all the scars that I have, none of those even remotely linger. It's the wounds from words people have said. As parents, we have the opportunity to speak into that wound. To speak life to remind them of their value and their love by Jesus. Their incredible care. We have the opportunity to be the one who can champion the truth of God's word into their heart. And we need to be people who speak the truth in love, but also who are encouragement to those underneath our authority. We need to breathe vision and life and future into them. I want you to think about this for a second. Jesus at his baptism, God the Father declares, this is my dearly loved son in whom I am well pleased. This was before a single miracle, a single sermon, before a single disciple, before anything has happened, God the Father declares over Jesus in his ministry, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus' ministry flowed from the love and acceptance of his father. In fact, he faced temptation knowing the love and acceptance of his father how much more so do our children need that from us soft hearts with the lord's authority i say this live no longer as the gentiles do for they are hopelessly confused their minds are full of darkness they wander far from the life god gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him verse 22 Throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Soft hearts come from renewed minds. Dad's... Our kids need to see our heart soften towards the things of God. They need to see us pursue things that matter, that know things that matter. There's nothing wrong with knowing every baseball stat or basketball stat or things like that. But if all we have is all this sports knowledge and we've got no knowledge of the holy, 
We've got a problem. We need to have soft hearts where our kids have seen us say, I'm sorry to them when we've made a mistake. Where we say, hey, dad blew it, just like you. I'm not perfect. And so I'm asking for your forgiveness. They need to see us soften to the things of God and knowing how true that he is and how good that he is. Please hear me. Soft hearts are only possible when we have spent time in his presence. Listen, I want my kids to know that dad spends time in God's presence. I don't want them just to hear me say that. I want them to, to witness it, to experience it, to experience it with me. See, I can't speak powerful words over my kids if I haven't heard powerful words over my life. I need time in God's word, time in prayer, time alone with God, time to hear and then be moved by him so that I can be speaking into them as well. We need to bring joy. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing you that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. I want us to think about bringing joy. Bringing joy. We need to bring joy to the Holy Spirit. Do you notice what it says? Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Do you realize that you can bring sorrow to God? I want to bring joy to God. I want to live in such a way that God looks down and is like, he gets it. God always, his, his love, his grace, his mercy is always there for me. I don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. I want, I want the Spirit of God to like lead me in adventure. But not only that, I want to bring joy to my family, to my home, those around me. Do they, does your family enjoy or fear your presence? Do they want to be around you? One of the greatest things that I love is like the second I get home and I open up the door, I hear a scramble of little feet. Right? And, and I love it because like I, I love being in the presence of my children. Do you realize that your Father in Heaven loves being in your presence? He loves when you come near. He loves to, to, to get close to you. Do you Jesus in, in Revelation says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And anyone who will open up the door, I'm going to come in and share a meal with you. Like that's, we, we should, our lives should bring joy to our families and to those who are around us. Like our kids should want to be in our presence. But in order for that to happen, there's some things we have to do. We need to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander. Sometimes that means you need to park the car before you walk into the house and say a prayer because the day was bad. You know what I'm talking about? Driveway prayers is what I like to call them. Jesus, <laughs> this day needs to end and stop in this car because I'm moving to a different level of ministry when I open that door. I need your presence and your help to leave behind the burdens I carry here so that I walk in and they don't receive the repercussions of what somebody else has done. We need to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. 
I want to bring joy. I want my kids to be influenced by the joy of my life. Uh, laughter should be present in your home. I think laughter is one of the greatest signs of spirituality. I'm serious. The joy of the Lord is supposed to be our strength. If there's no joy in your home, then where's your strength? We need to be people who are full of joy. We need to live generously. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to those in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. This is so, so, so important for us today. We live in a culture that preaches take, 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 get what you want, spend on you, focus on you, and it will make you happy. Is our culture happy? We live in one of the most affluent, richest times in American history, and we are not happy people. You bump into people everywhere you go, and they are just grumpy beyond belief. And they're not content. And they're always thinking, oh, somebody else is better than me, and someone else is better off than me, and I wish I had that. And if I had that, then I'd finally truly be happy. And I need to do this to get ahead, and then finally I will be. But the truth is this, is we need to teach them to live radical generosity. Because contentment can only come from generosity. That's what Jesus is. It's better to give than to receive. He wasn't joking about that. He was being dead serious about that. I've told this story many times, but I, like during COVID, I remember I, I got so frustrated because I was watching the state of the things in the world. I was watching the news. I was watching so many people that were just living in absolute, utter terror and fear around me. And I remember as a parent going, what am I going to do? Like, I, I don't want my kids living in fear. I want them living in courage. I want them living in faith, not fear. And this was the time when um, I like to call it the toilet paper epidemic. <laughs> right? <laughs> Instantly, we all lost our minds and thought there was going to be no chance we were going to be able to wipe for three months. So run to the store, take everything that is there off the shelf and buy it. Like people were like, you know, their shopping carts were like, there was no groceries, but there was a mountain of toilet paper. And you're like, what is wrong with like, I don't know. Uh, it was a weird time, people. 2020 was a weird year, right? But I remember that year vividly, and I remember in the midst of it all, and I mean, Angel sat down, and because I, I was preaching a series to the teens about courage and courage and chaos, and I was like, you know, I don't want it to be mere words. I want us to do something. So we had just bought toilet paper. We took it. We created care packages. We put toilet paper in the care packages. We put uh, antibacterial soap, we put Purell, we put all these kinds of things. I mean, and this is like the height of it, where like everything's closed, it's like state of emergency, don't leave your house. Well, we left our house, and uh, <clears throat> we started going to neighbor's homes, and we would just knock on the door, and we'd leave it there. To this day, my kids remember that, because when everybody else was hoarding, we were giving. We're called to live generous lives. Use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. One of the greatest blessings I want for my kids as they continue to grow up is I want them to live lives of contentment, not just happiness. But that cannot happen if they're not generous people. It's impossible. 
Contentment can only come from generosity as we trust God with our finances and say, God, I, I trust you with everything in my life. You are king over all. How do we leverage our influence? We talked about it earlier. It's through repetition. It's by letting it be seen. It's by letting it be heard. It's by letting it be experienced. So I want to close with this today. I want us to take a moment right now, every one of us in this room, will you just take a moment and we're going to bring the lights down and I just want this to be a moment between you and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to identify an area of your life and an action that God is calling you to today. Maybe today as the Holy Spirit was speaking to you, maybe it was in regards to um, guarding what influences in your home. Maybe there's been some things where you've kind of just like let it slide because it was much easier to be like, oh, well, at least they're occupied. <laughs> Maybe it's an area of your life that your personal life that you've let slip and you're like, you know what? I need to rein back in because that's influencing me in a way it never should have. Maybe it's controlling your emotions. Maybe anger, frustration, lust, coveting, fill in the blank with whatever you want has kind of led your life for a little bit and today the Holy Spirit's challenging you and he's saying it's time to, to throw off that old way of life and to renew your thoughts in Christ Jesus maybe it's with your words maybe God is really challenging you you're, it's time to start using your words in your home to encourage those who live there or in your life or in your sphere of influence Maybe it's soft hearts or bringing joy or living generously. But, but this is what I want us to do. I want you to think real quick with me. Identify an area and then identify a specific action. What can you do today? So that it doesn't go in one ear and out the other ear. That what God is speaking to you this morning, that you can take action on it. My guess is that it's probably even more than an action. It's probably also a person. There might be a specific person in your family that you know I need to raise up my, my level of influence. Per, specific person in my sphere of influence that I need to raise up my level of influence. That I need to really speak in truth and love and kindness and mercy or, or allow my life to be seen by them in such a way that it's making an impact. Take a moment right now. I want you to identify an area and an action. Would you just bow your heads and let's just give the Holy Spirit space to do that even in this moment. want you to think about that action what is the Holy Spirit calling you today to step into obedience and to do and I would encourage you to make whatever that action to be to be something you actually do today not something that's like theoretical like in the next few days or weeks maybe it's a specific word you need to speak to someone maybe it's a text you need to send Whatever it is, can we be people who are moved 
and who obey. And let's be people who leverage our lives for the sake of the kingdom of God. Here's how I want us to end. If we can all stand in this room. And then men in the room, if I can have you just come to the front and come across the altars. I want to be able to pray and speak a blessing over you. I want to start by challenging us this morning. And every single one of us, there is most certainly echoes of our earliest father Adam in us. And when Eve was tempted, Adam was right by her side and he said nothing. And Adam failed at being a gatekeeper for his family. And it echoes and reverberates across all time into us as well. But we have a second father, a second Adam, Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God. Man, I believe that God has called you to be leaders in your families. He's called you to raise up a standard and to fight for what matters. And so today, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. I want to challenge us to rise up and be the men that God has called us to be. Because he has great things in store for this church, for our lives, for the lives of your family. And I pray that there would be a blessing that would take place as we faithfully live out and we faithfully walk out this calling that God has given us. That it would reverberate and echo across all the families in this county. So church, would you just extend your hands forward to the, the men who are up here with me and will you pray with me? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now, a blessing over each one of these men. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill them, that you would empower them, that you would give them spiritual wisdom and insight and understanding, that God, they would see every person in their lives, their wives, Lord, their children, Lord, the, their neighbors, their, the people they go to work with from a completely different perspective. Holy Spirit, I pray that you create moments where they can use their words powerfully to make an impact in the lives of those around them. God, that they would be encouragers, that they would use their words carefully, that God, we would be men who guard our emotions, that Lord, we would practice what we preach in our homes, that we would guard the influence that comes in through the doors, that Jesus, I pray that you would give them divine wisdom, Holy Spirit, to know the right decision at the right time at what to do. God, I also pray that you, in the name of Jesus, God, that you would fill them with all joy. God, that their homes would be a place of laughter as people trust in the care that they provide. Lord, I also pray for some of them, Lord, I know that maybe they did not have the best parental influence in their life. Maybe their dad didn't say over them the things that they have said over their own kids. But I pray that, Jesus, you would allow today them to hear the voice of heaven, their father saying, you are my son, you are dearly loved, and you I am well pleased. And that we would live knowing our identity in you, Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.